Book One, Chapter Three of A Class Book of Old Testament History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Class Book of Old Testament History by George Frederick McClear. Book One, Chapter Three The Flood, Genesis 4 through 9, BC 4004 to 2348. Though thus assured of ultimate restoration, the first man, as a fallen being, could not be permitted to remain in the region which had been the scene of his trial and his failure. He might take of the fruit of another tree that grew in the midst of the garden, the tree of life, and eat and live forever, and thus prevent the possibility of his recovery. Accordingly, he was sent forth from the garden, at the east of which were stationed cherubim, a particular order in all probability of angels. Compare with Exodus twenty-five seventeen through 22, and see Ezekiel 1, 5, and Revelation 4, 6, while a flaming sword, which turned every way, guarded the approach to the tree of life. Thus driven forth from Eden, and recommencing under new and altered circumstances their course of probation, Adam and Eve in due time became the parents of two sons, Cain, gotten or acquired, and Abel, breath, transitoriness. From their earliest years the most opposite tendencies distinguished the brothers. The mysterious rite of sacrifice, which meets us at the very threshold of sacred history, and which it is supposed, not without probability, the Almighty himself instituted, when he made for the first pair coats of skins and clothed them, Genesis 3.21 became the occasion of a fatal quarrel between them. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, Abel of the firstlings of his flock, an offering unto the Lord. The offering of Abel was accepted, that of Cain rejected. The reason for this distinction cannot be pronounced with absolute certainty. Either the offering of Abel was a free and bounteous presentation of the best that he had, while that of Cain was merely commonplace and perfunctory, or Abel brought his offering in a spirit of faith, and trustful acquiescence in a divinely instituted though mysterious command hebrews six four a motive which the offering of his elder brother lacked whatever was the precise reason of the distinction it roused all cain's latent jealousy and he became his brother's murderer one john three twelve for thus shedding righteous blood matthew twenty three thirty five he was condemned by the Almighty to perpetual banishment from the region of Eden, fearful of vengeance from the other children of Adam, whose family, we may infer from the mention of Cain's wife, had largely increased. He feared to depart before he received from the Almighty a special sign or pledge of security in the land of his banishment. This having been granted, he removed into the region of Nod, exile, and there became the ancestor of numerous descendants the heads of whom are enumerated to the sixth generation, under the names of Enoch, Irod, Meujael, Methu, Sael, and Lamech. In this region, too, he built the earliest city of which we have any record, and called it Enoch, after the name of his eldest son. The Canaanite families were distinguished for their attention to the development of the arts and pleasures of life. As Cain built the first city, so Lamech instituted polygamy, while of his three sons, Jabal introduced the nomadic life, Jubal, the use of musical instruments, and Tubal, Cain, the art of working in metals. 
Genesis four sixteen through twenty four. Meanwhile, with another son, Seth, substituted, who had been given to Adam in place of Abel, commenced a line distinct in its social and religious tendencies from that of Cain. The heads of this family are enumerated to the tenth generation under the names of Seth, Enos, Canaan, Mahalalil, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, while the descendants of Cain advanced indeed in civilization, but were addicted to luxury and violence, the descendants of Seth were distinguished for pastoral simplicity. They called upon the name of the Lord. Genesis 4.26. They were the chosen repositories of the promise of redemption, and the witnesses for a God of righteousness in the midst of a generation which already began to become corrupt, and in the scene to forget the unseen. An eminent type of the characteristic virtues of this line was Enoch, the son of Jared, the seventh from Adam, Jude 14. All his life long he walked in closest communion with the Most High in the spiritual world. Faith, Hebrews 6, 5, implicit trust in the righteous ruler of the universe, was the principle of his life and the secret spring of his holiness. One day he vanished from the society of his fellow men. He was not, for the God whom he served took him to himself and translated him to the unseen world without undergoing the penalty of death. Genesis five twenty one through 24. A peculiar feature of this period was the great length to which human life was prolonged. Adam attained to the age of 930 years, Methuselah to that of 969, the others nearly as long. From this accrued many advantages to the race, it tended to promote its speedy increase. It preserved uninterrupted such knowledge as men were able to acquire, and preeminently the original revelation respecting the one true God, the remembrance of paradise, and the hope of ultimate redemption. But the great longevity of the men of this period did not tend to hinder their increasing alienation from the paths of righteousness and obedience to the Supreme. Amidst the extreme brevity of the sacred narrative, it is clear that the wickedness of men reached a desperate pitch. The earth was filled with violence, and all men corrupted their way upon it. At length this alienation from God reached its culminating point in a catastrophe, to which the sacred record attaches a peculiar and mysterious importance. When men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, these sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all that they chose. Whatever be the true meaning of the expression sons of God, whether it refers to the angels, as some have thought, or the descendants of Seth, certain it is that a superhuman spirit of wickedness broke out at this period. From these mixed marriages spring men remarkable for strength and power, for violence and arrogant wickedness through whom both races speedily became hopelessly corrupt. The salt, even in the line of Seth, lost its savor, and the wickedness of men was great on the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 6, 1-5 In this awful crisis one man only found favor with God, Noah, the son of Lamech, in whom at his birth, with prophetic glance, his father beheld a pledge of that rest and comfort, which the men of faith felt they so sorely needed from the burden of weary and irksome labor on the ground which Jehovah had cursed. Genesis 5.29. When Noah was five hundred years old, 
he became the father of three sons shem ham and japheth like enoch he was a righteous and perfect man in his generation and in this age of universal apostasy maintained an unflinching trust in the righteous ruler of the universe and at length when the cup of man's iniquity was full he received intimation from the almighty of his intention to bring an awful judgment upon the world behold i even i said god do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die from the general catastrophe noah and his family alone were to be preserved and he was directed to construct an ark a huge vessel of enormous dimensions into which when completed he was to repair with his wife his three sons and their wives and also two of every species of beasts and birds accounted unclean or unfit for sacrifice and seven of every species counted clean the vessel thus ordered was to be constructed of gopher wood probably cypress and was to be overlaid within and without with pitch or bitumen in length it was to be three hundred cubits in breadth fifty in depth thirty but though the impending judgment was thus announced and a visible pledge of it directed to be constructed the doom itself was not to be as yet he who afterwards waited four hundred years till the cup of the iniquity of the amorites was full who gave the ninevites forty days for repentance now waiteth first peter three twenty with much long suffering for a space of one hundred and twenty years during this period according to all that god commanded noah so did he though the things of which he was warned were not yet seen hebrews eleven seven nay must have seemed to the men of his generation in the extremest degree improbable moved with fear he yet persevered in his awful task and by this act of faith as well as by his own works continued to warn his fellow-men of what was to come but his warnings fell on unheeding ears the men of his generation set at naught all his counsel and mocked at his reproofs they did eat they drank they married wives they were given in marriage matthew twenty four thirty eight luke seventeen twenty six and twenty seven until the day of doom arrived on the seventeenth day of the second month of the six hundredth year of noah's life he and his family entered into the ark and the lord shut them in then after a solemn pause of seven days the elements of destruction were bidden to do their work the fountains of the great deep were broken up the windows of heaven were open and the rain descended till the waters covered the highest hills and all flesh wherein was the breath of life died of fowl of cattle of wild beasts and of every creeping thing which creepeth upon the earth and every man in these simple but impressive words the sacred narrative describes the appalling catastrophe written for a far higher purpose it paints no scene as a human writer would have done we see nothing of the death struggle we hear not the cry of despair we are not called upon to witness the frantic agony of husband and wife of parent and child as they fled in terror before the rising waters not a word is said of the sadness of the one righteous man who save himself looked upon the destruction which he could not avert but one impression is left upon the mind with peculiar vividness from the very simplicity of the narrative and it is that of utter desolation all flesh died noah only was left and they that were with him in the ark for a hundred and fifty days the waters prevailed till at length on the seventeenth day of the seventh month the ark rested on one of the peaks of ararat 
from this time the waters gradually decreased till the first day of the tenth month when the tops of the mountains having begun to appear noah sent forth a raven which returned not to the ark a week afterwards he sent forth a dove to see if the waters were abated from the lower and more level country but the dove finding no rest for the sole of her foot returned unto the ark again he waited seven days and once more sent her forth when she returned with a fresh olive leaf plucked off in her mouth a sign that the waters had still further subsided yet again after a similar interval noah sent her forth this time however she did not return having found on the earth a rest for the sole of her feet and then he knew that the awful judgment had indeed come to a close and at the divine command left the ark and set foot on the dry land genesis eight one through nineteen end of book one chapter three